everybody, this is Julie Ankers, your host of Feisty, Fabulous and 50 Plus. We have a very special program for you today uh, with Adam Mondi and Heather Shepherd, who are colleagues with Mondi Financial Services. They're going to be discussing the ins and outs, uh, the cost of aged care. And as everybody knows, aged care is very much in the news presently. So over to you, Adam. This is Adam Mondi from Mondi Financial Services with... Money Matters. It's a show about anything to do with money. We're looking at super, insurances, aged care, retirement planning, investments, investment property, all things to deal with money. We're on each month on the second Monday of each month at 11am. Uh, if you want to address any questions, uh, general questions, you can email to info, I-N-F-O, at Mondi, M-O-N-D-Y, F for Fred, S for Sam, so info at Mondi F-S. .com.au. Send your questions in and we'll address those at the last in the last five minutes uh, or so of each segment and we'll try to uh, try to answer all your questions in a general nature. Uh, today I'd like to introduce Heather Shepherd from Mondi Financial Services. She's our aged care specialist, uh, deals with um, 
our aged care analysis and people going into to aged care on the financial side. So welcome, Heather. Hi, Adam, and hi, everybody. It's good to be here. Good to have you. So people dealing with aged care, Heather, have lots and lots of questions. But uh, before we go into aged care, what are our um, home care options? Well, in my experience, absolutely 100% of the population say, oh, I don't want to go into aged care or a nursing home. So an aged care facility is actually what we used to call a nursing home. Nobody really wants to end up in a nursing home, but in reality, some of us do and some of us will. So before you end up you know, making that transition to live in a nursing home, there are some home care options. So the government will subsidise um, people coming into your home, helping with with personal care, helping with meals and helping with um, housework. So, to, But to access that care, you do need to have a special assessment so, the, so that they know that you are eligible to receive funding for that care. So it's best to explore all those home care options first before um, going down the road of aged care facility. Excellent. So that's uh, that, that's an assessment. That's an ACAT assessment, isn't it? They have to do. Yes, that's right. Um, explain the difference. So lots of people get confused between retirement villages and aged care facilities or nursing homes. Can you explain that, that difference? Yes, and I've had um, clients that come in and, and they say, "Oh, Mum's already in a in an aged care." place they call it um, and it's actually it turns out it's actually a retirement village now a retirement village allows you it's like buying a house but you actually don't own the villa or whatever they call it um, you buy the right to live there um, usually in 99 year lease with an aged care facility you move in there and live into the aged care facility um, so you need to pay for accommodation. Everyone needs to pay for accommodation. And you, there's also a payment for care and food and activities, etc. Great. So the, the retirement villages are often um, considered fairly expensive. People are sort of horrified at the cost. But uh, what, what's involved in that? Um, the retirement village... You, it's generally generally like um, about the cost of buying a house around in the area that you live in, and when you leave the retirement village, whether it to be go to go into a aged care facility or you pass away or go and live with someone else, depending on the um, retirement village, you will lose about thirty to thirty five percent of the selling price plus a refurb cost. So you might have paid. Um, say 800,000 to move in there and when it sells it might sell for 1200 what's 12 1 million 200 <laughs> and um, you could lose maybe 400,000 of that and that's all explained when you sign the contract when you're paying for the um, for the unit yeah so it's very important people understand getting into that i think um uh, it's all, I mean, obviously these days it's all in the contract and all explained, but some people are a bit shocked when they leave. Um, I know um, some family uh, had to had to deal with, um, they had to actually renovate the unit when they left and they had to use the, their contractors and uh, their their people to, to renovate. So that would have all been in the initial contract, I suppose, outlined. Yes, it's generally all there in the contract, um, but... But um, 
And then some people are confused. They think, well, when they go into an aged care facility, it's going to be exactly the same. They're going to lose their 30 35% again. So explain how, how does an aged care facility uh, work? What's There's all these acronyms, DAPs and RADs and all these <laughs> things that people get confused about, um, myself included. How, uh, how does that, uh, that all work? Uh, okay, well, when you move into an aged care facility, it's not a hospital. It's actually a place to live. So you're a resident. And wherever you live you generally need to pay for your accommodation. So you can pay for it in a lump sum, which can be likened to buying a house, or you can pay for it as a DAP, um, which is a... Sorry, I should explain. A, DAP, a RAD is a refundable accommodation deposit, and a DAP is a daily accommodation payment. So you can pay the lump sum, which is the RAD, all refundable, or you can pay the DAP, and that can be likened to paying rent, the RAD is 100% refundable, government guaranteed. The DAP is lost money. So they do, they do get people. People often think of the RAD, which is um, that these days that has to be actually um, uh, listed on the website of each facility, doesn't it? Yes, it's law that it has to be on. Um, my aged care website and on the website of the facility. Okay, and people are often under the misconception that that four hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand or six hundred thousand, whatever it is, actually um, disappears. But not most of that is is actually refundable. Is that right? Yes. If they pay the lump sum, which is the rad, it's a hundred percent guaranteed to be returned when you leave the facility unless you ask the facility to take some of your fees out of it and then you just get everything back except for the fees that have come out um, so the the rad is determined by the by the uh, facility um, and the dap how, how do how do people how does that work what, what, what is what's involved in the, the dap side Okay, so say the RAD is $500,000 and you can't afford to pay the RAD. $500,000 is charged at an interest rate at the moment of 4.02%. So they work out the annual interest of the $500,000 at 4.02 and divide it by 365 and that gives you the daily payment. So whatever RAD you don't pay... The, the remainder is charged out at um, the 4.02%, and that goes up and down with CPI. So I think you've already mentioned it, but people often think, often say to us um, that you have to pay a huge amount of money and I have to you know, sell the house or cash in all my investments or um, whatever to, to pay this four or $500,000 and there's no, I have no other choice. I've been told there's no other choice. That's not quite correct, is it? No, definitely not, because um, not everybody can do that. Some people don't even own a house, but everybody can go into an aged care facility. So if your spouse lives in the house, that doesn't count as an asset at all. The spouse can stay there for as long as they are able to, and um, your assets, your, your means-tested fees just worked out on your assets, not counting the house. 
So um, you may pay, you'll pay a lot less than if the house was counted as an asset. Okay, and then um, how does Centrelink uh, come into all that? We might um, we might have a break and then come back with the Centrelink side yeah, of things sure. and and the 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 rads and the daps. <laughs> so this is uh, Adam with um, fabulous feisty and fifty plus with money matters, and we'll come back uh, with some Centrelink uh, issues around aged care and Centrelink uh, information.
just imagine a career in Australian rock and roll. Wendy McDougall has spent 40 years photographing Australian music legends like The Angels, In Excess, Crowded House, Cold Chisel, Paul Kelly, Richard Clapton, Ganga Jang, Ross Wilson, Wendy Matthews and many, many more. You can win one of five signed copies of award-winning photographer Wendy McDougall's 192-page book, It's Only Rock and Roll But I Like It, just by listening to Mountains Live with Brad Dietrich Thursdays from 7pm or Australian Music Masters every Monday from 12 noon. Ah, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. The Edge is back. United Cinemas Katoomba are open, COVID-safe and featuring fabulous movies in nine sessions every day of the week. So pop on the glad rags, pop over to The Edge, get some popcorn and get absorbed in your favourite pastime, watching movies. Go to unitedcinemaskatoomba.com.au for features, times and bookings. Call 47838900 or go direct to 225 Great Western Highway, Katoomba. Earthly Delights on 89.1 FM celebrates adventurous listening across diverse genres with conversations about arts, community and current affairs. It's easy to tune in by streaming live from rbm.org.au. So back with uh, Heather Shepherd um, for the Aged Care conversation uh, aged care and fin- the financial analysis of aged care so heather you were talking about the rad and the dap so the rad is the lump sum uh pr- pr- proportion of the of the fee just explain the dap again to me well if you don't pay the rad you pay a dap a daily accommodation payment and the dap is simply um paying the interest on the rad at 4.02% um, so that you can pay for your accommodation by a RAD or a DAP, or you can pay 50-50 or any percentage, but um, they're only going to total whatever the advertised um, RAD is on the website. So you could have, if you think you could make a higher return potentially than that 4% yeah. or so that you're talking about, then you might maybe, some people might choose not to pay the the full accommodation deposit is it, and just pay it as a DAP. That's right, and some people have done that. They think, oh, I can make more than that in the in the stock market, and so they decide just to pay the daily payment, which is only four point zero two at the moment, and thinking, oh, I'll be able to make ten percent on my money. Ah, okay. So, what what other fees? The, the, it doesn't just stop with the the uh, the lump sum or the or the DAP side. Um, there's other other fees involved as well. Uh, just explain that and how that fits into everything. Now, the RAD and the DAP are what you how you pay your accommodation. Um, the for your care, nursing care, and for your food and all the rest of the the. Um, things that you get when you're living there as a resident you pay a basic daily fee which everybody pays even if you're a full pensioner and it is actually 85 percent of the single pension so even pensioners with not a single cent in the bank can afford to pay that so so the rad that's sort of interesting the rad and the dapper sort of like purchasing your home and then 
the the other fees that you're talking about are sort of like um, they're your rental payment. Is that is that how it sort of works? They they're your cost of living, cost effectively. Of living. Yeah, more cost of living, um, you know, paying for your activities and your food and um, your newspaper if you, if you get one and um, trips and all things like that. Um, there's also, so, so you pay 85% of the single pension, whether you're a pensioner or not, that come, every single person pays that. And then anyone who has a bit more money um, pays a means-tested fee. So there is a, um, a test that tests what assets and what income you have and then it determines what sort of a fee you pay towards the care. Uh, now I should have looked it up but that's about 28000 a year is the maximum you would pay in that and then there's a um, lifetime limit of 60 something thousand. So you can, pay, you can pay that maximum, once you get to that maximum level um, I, you know that could be five or six years or something in in a facility then you don't pay any more effectively that's right some people reach their maximum in oh the the year the annual maximum they might reach that after six to nine months or something and they don't pay any until the following year and if you re- reach the lifetime limit you don't pay any more of the means tested fee the rest of your stay in aged care yeah, right. Okay. And and the extra services um, that you were talking about, papers and things oh. like that, how, how does that work? Yes, not every facility has an extra services fee, but some do. Some have a compulsory extra services fee and some have an optional one. And that covers things like wine with your meal, um, a menu that you can choose from, newspapers and um, hairdressers and podiatrists and all sorts of things like that. So you need to look into whether that's an option or a, or a um, compulsory fee or if it doesn't exist at all. You, you mentioned um, some people may not have any, any money uh, to go into a, a facility and they'd be worried. What, how, how, does, how does that work? Well, the government, the actual cost of care in a facility has been worked out at about 111000 per year. That's not the accommodation, wow. that's just the care. And um, it's highly subsidised by the government. So those with more money and assets will pay a lot more towards it than those who have nothing. The ones who don't have any assets or any income will simply pay the basic daily fee, which is the 85% of the pension. And then the accommodation payment, if um, people don't have any assets at all, they will, that will probably be wiped for them too. Or some people have a reduced um, RAD or DAP to pay. So it, the rest is all government subsidised. Right, so they can still go into a facility but not necessarily pay the, the upfront, um, upfront fee or um, they're still left with some assets, aren't they? That's right. They will. They they may only have to pay the basic daily fee. Right. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I've heard is that um, you've talked about is that they may, if they're a low means resident, I think is the terminology for mm-hmm. that, isn't it? Um, they may just not have the choice of exact the exact facility. There's only certain places with low means residents, uh, as in every facility has to offer it. But if they're full, then you might have to go somewhere else is that is that right that's true um, you may you do need to just check um, that that facility 
that you want to move into has enough um, beds or rooms that they consider to be low means. So um, there's also a strategy for couples and quite often when there's couples living at home one might be caring for the other one and the carer has an accident, breaks a leg or a hip or, a, or has a stroke or something so that means they both need to go into an aged care facility. And sometimes it's, there's a strategy there that you, as long as you separate them by at least one day and one um, member of the couple goes in first, they may be able to go in as a low means resident and pay a lot less. And then the second one goes in and then of course the house is taken into account. So, um, you know, they'll probably pay the full amount. Yeah, well, so you've got to be careful with that, you know, sort of sort of how you're doing it. Um, obviously, any uh, discussion that we have is um, just general advice as well, so we can't give uh, any specific strategies, I suppose, but um, that, that can work for certain people. So um, what, what do you think um, in terms of, you know, you must see lots of misconceptions come out with aged care. You, you've been dealing with it for a number of years. What... what um, what do you t think of the, to say, let's say, the top three misconceptions for um, for aged care? Uh, the top three, we've, we've actually touched on them, but the, the biggest one is that, oh, if I pay the RAD, I'm going to lose that 30%, just like in a retirement village, or the 35%. And um, when I say no, you won't. If, if you leave that facility, either to go to another one or pass away, that RAD's fully refundable. And and um, guaranteed by the government. So it will go to your estate or back to you if you're moving from one facility to another. So that'd probably be the top one. So lots of people, uh, we've sort of already touched on it as well, but um, people talk about the house and they have to sell that house, but that's not necessarily the case, is that right? No, that's right. Um, when people have to move into aged care, it's generally a big panic and someone's had a fall, they're in hospital, they can't go home, all right, we've got to run around and find an aged care facility. And people are very emotional and they make decisions sort of on the run without really knowing what's the best thing to do. And we've seen people come to us kind of right down the track and they've, they've already asked the real estate agent to come in and value the house so they can sell it. And when we've done the figures, it's, it's actually a better option to keep the house. And they've ended up with um, about $23,000 um, extra in their cash flow per year as, as a result. So it's best to check all, all the options out before making any rash decisions. So I suppose that, that varies, as we said, you know, without being specific to people, that, that would vary for each individual situation, whether they... It's, they're better off to keep the house or sell the house or sell their other assets or, or what? Yeah, that's right. I've had another couple come in and, um, and their best option was to sell the house, but um, it doesn't work out for everybody that way. Yeah, right. Well, um, well we might have another break uh, and uh, come back to you with some more, uh, more uh, aged care analysis. Sally called when she got the word She said, I suppose you've heard About Alice Well, I rushed to the window And I looked outside But I could hardly believe my eyes Some big limousine 
Wake up with Ron Green five mornings a week. Where's my coffee? Wake up right. Tune in from 7am. Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. The Eclectic Music Show on Radio Blue Mountains, as the name implies, is a whole range of music from various genres. Blues, jazz, classical, popular, world music and more. Plus the occasional comedy and poetry, and even a guest some weeks... So join me, Patrick Leonard, for a diverse and easy listening program on Tuesday afternoons from 2 to 4 p.m. on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1. The Gazette has been in business for over 100 years and Radio Blue Mountains has been on air for over 30. That's why every Thursday, 12 to 2, Colin, Peggy, numerous Peters, Bronwyn and Robin... Read the Gazette from front page to back, live to air and streaming. 
Now that's news direct to you from 89.1 FM. So this is uh, Adam uh, Mondi uh, with Money Matters. Uh, the segment's on the uh, um, um, second Monday of each month at 11am on Fabulous, Feisty and 50 Plus. And we've got uh, Heather Shepherd, who's the Aged Care Specialist for Mondi Financial Services. Uh, now, Heather, you were talking about the uh, house and um, how how that's just just explained to to the listeners how that's treated um, as an asset. And you're talking about some people don't sell and other people do sell. How does all that work? Okay. Well, the house is not counted an asset as an asset for either the aged pension or the aged care fees if a spouse is living there. Not at all whilst you're in the aged care facility. Right, okay. So and and so in terms for Centrelink purposes, what what happens um, what how does that how is that assessed? Okay, if there's not a spouse living there, you can leave it empty for two years and it won't count as an asset when they're working out what your age pension is. It will count as an asset for your aged care fees though, but it's only capped at $171,535. So you can have a a million dollar house and they'll only count it as $171,000 and um, when they're calculating your aged care fees. So there's sort of two different segments to this, isn't there? There's the the Centrelink calculations and the the, the pension calculations, and then there's the the aged care fees. So they're slightly different in terms of what's assessed and and how they're calculated. Yes. Yes. So um, as I said, the aged care fees cap the value of the house at one hundred and seventy one thousand five hundred and thirty five, and Centrelink don't count it at all for two years. After the two years, it's counted at its full value. So that million-dollar house would then be counted as a million-dollar asset. And in, in that case, what your, your fees, your, your daily accommodation fee would just skyrocket. Is that, is that not, how that works? or Not the accommodation one, the care one, um, the means-tested care fee. So that would, be, uh, that would be the time when you'd think, OK, I haven't paid the full RAD yet. So I might pay that RAD now that I've, I've got the house. I might sell it and pay the RAD. So then you don't have quite as much um, left to, to worry about for um, Centrelink assessment. Okay. And just, just to go back on to the RAD side, how, is, that, is that an asset? You've paid a lump sum to, to the facility. How, how is that treated? Right, for Centrelink, for age pension, if you pay a $500,000 RAD, that doesn't count for Centrelink assessment. So it's not counted as an asset for, for age pension. So that's why some people try and pay as much RAD as they can so they can, get, they can keep their pension. But the whole lot of the RAD that you've paid is counted for your um, means-tested fees for aged care. There used to be, I think in the older days, there was some strategy around paying extra RAD too, but you're not allowed to do that these days, are you? They're all they're all set by the facility and by the government. Yes, the facility, well, there's a maximum set by the government that um, you can charge, but an aged care facility can charge, and then they need permission to go over that for special rooms, which a lot of them do. But um, yes, the, the, 
the RAD has to be um, advertised on My Aged Care website and their website. They are not allowed to charge more, but you can negotiate with them sometimes and um, get a lower, a lower RAD. Okay. Um, sometimes you hear stories, you know, I'm seeing clients that might be talking about parents, um, you know, potentially moving into aged care and they'll say, oh, we've got enough money, um, you know, we'll throw, we'll throw some money into the deal to help dad out or mum out. How, how does that, what's your sort of uh, take on that side? Now that's, that's very generous of them, but it doesn't always work out to be beneficial because the money, say you've got a $500,000 RAD and one child wants to throw in 200000 to help out. Once he's put that 200000 into the RAD, the RAD becomes, it goes straight into the estate. It becomes part of the estate of the resident. So that money is no longer his unless they've drawn up some sort of an agreement, a loan agreement with the solicitor. If he just hands it out and puts it on on the RAD, there's got to be a really good understanding um, with the other kids in the family mm-hmm. that he's going to get that back or the, the resident would need to change the will to say that that person gets it back. Um, it's often better to, um, if you want to help out, to pay the DAP, help them out with the DAP because that's just lost money anyway. It doesn't become part of the estate. I think um, probably in... Your experience, you might have seen um, understanding between siblings uh, change um, on the death of a parent too at some point, yeah? Um, Yes, you can see that sometimes you see families and and there's not an agreement between the siblings. Quite often there's a very lovely family that everyone's, you know, on the same page and and want the same thing for mum or dad, but then other times there's not. So, yeah, it's best to be careful. So best to have it do it properly legal and uh, if you're going to go down that track or or maybe try to avoid other people putting in money altogether really yes i think i think that's the best idea um so if people if you as a person going into an aged care facility or or you know lots of um lots of um children dealing with you know parents looking at an aged care facility how, how do they go about that what what's the first step that sort of needs to be needs to be taken well because it's so highly subsidized by the government they don't want just anybody going into aged care um, you can't just say okay I'm having a bit of trouble at home um, I don't like cooking every night if I went into aged care someone would do it for me I might do that you need an ACAT assessment. Now that's an aged care assessment team coming to have a look at how you can manage um, what your mobility's like, what your mental function's like, and whether or not you can cope at home. And so you need an assessment, an ACAT assessment to say, yes, you've reached the stage where you can move into aged care facility. And so once that age, uh, once the ACAT assessment is is done, and you know they say yay or nay, um, what what's the process then? I suppose you you start looking for a facility, yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. You you look around to see what would be the most suitable facility for mum or dad or whoever it might be. And um, sometimes there's no beds or no rooms in the um, facility that, of your choice. So you might consider respite, um, going into respite either into that facility or into another one nearby because most 
um, aged care facilities have respite beds as well, or I should say rooms. And, and I suppose, um, you know, if you were thinking about this, I know that probably most people don't plan too well ahead. Um, you, you've talked about that before, but, um, you know, there may not be a facility, maybe not a place yet, but people are planning ahead as well for that, that sort of thing. Yes, um, as I said before, it's an emotional time and quite often decisions are made in a very short period of time. And um, it's best to see a financial advisor and get some sort of analysis done so that um, you can make the best decisions. When um, when you're talking about the financial analysis side, what, when would people think about, like when when's the best time to, to look at that sort of thing, do you think? Probably when you know what facility that um, the person wants to move into and you know what the price is, then and you can have an analysis done by a financial advisor specialising in aged care and that analysis will give you several options of how to structure your finances and it'll show you the effect on your Centrelink payment, the effect on your aged care fees, um, it'll give you options either to sell or keep the house or rent the house and cash flow, um, show you the effect on your cash flow. Now that can be projected over say five years so that you can have a look and see what happens if you do this and what happens if you do, do something else. So, so clients can sort of select the best outcome financially, is that people just automatically go for that or how, how does that work? Um, not always, because you can show them the financial option that gives you the best cash flow situation and the best asset situation, which is not always the same. And um, because of the emotions and the family um, input, <clears throat> sometimes it, they choose a different option. But it's we just show them all the all the figures and the options that are available to them, and they can choose the one that's going to suit that family. Um, they may not want to sell the house even if that's the best option or they might not want to keep it because nobody can be bothered maintaining it or dealing with the real estate agent um, for, for renting. So um, it's up to the family to make the final decision. I think like you say it's quite quite an emotional time too so financially the financial aspect is not always the, the driving driving factor is it as well? No, no it's um, it's it's an emotional decision, as, but at least it's an informed decision if you get someone to give you all the figures and, um, and the results. Yeah, great. So um, I think we've probably summed up aged care. Um, thanks for your time on that, Heather. That's, uh, that was good. Um, if people have any questions, they can uh, email info, info at mondifs.com.au, Mondi Financial Services at mondifs.com.au and send in any questions. Uh, we can uh, answer any questions at the end of each segment um, on Money Matters. That's um, the second Monday of each month at 11 a.m. And uh, that's on Fabulous Feisty and 50 Plus. So uh, thank you very much, Heather, and um, we we'll, might have another follow-up interview with you at some stage. Thanks, Adam. See you. Girls, 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 girls,
Chicago wide And a little bit of moonlight For this intercontinental romance Shy girl, sexy girl They all like that fancy world Champagne, a gentle song And a slow dance Now who makes it fun to spend your money? Who calls you honey? Most every day Girls, girls, girls Girls, girls, girls Well, they made a model in Hollywood Hi, this is uh, Adam Mondi from Mondi Financial Services and uh, we're with Money Matters uh, talking about all things uh, financial. Um, the second Monday of uh, every month at 11am uh, with um, fa- fabulous, feisty and 50 plus. Um, there Now we're looking at some questions at the end of each segment. Um, probably in summary, we just thought we'd sum up 2020's questions. So the top questions of 2020. Um, uh, we had an interesting year, so yeah, there's probably lots of questions, but f- particularly on the financial side. So people said, uh, from a financial point of view, is the world going to end uh, at the beginning? And then there was a big turnaround towards the end. But basically, um, to address those people at the beginning, um, we now, this is all general advice only and not, you know, not looking at a certain person's particular circumstances, but in general, um, and this is very much my investment philosophy, unless basically you don't listen to news uh, and I would not make 
decisions on based on news. So that doesn't suit everybody. Some people during, you know, we'll call it the COVID crash, uh, instructed us to sell out uh, of all our investments. Um, now, we only know now in hindsight that that was absolutely the wrong decision and those people have probably lost lots of money. So they've sold out and on a downturn and then purchased back in, you know, purchased back in investments at a more expensive price. So this is, we're talking about the share market in this case. Um, so those, those super investments and those general investments um, would have been more expensive going back in. So those people have lost money. Now, that's easy to say, you know, particularly when it's not my money, but the scary thing is when you can continue to see that decrease that's you know that's very very scary and some clients you know would have lost some people might have lost um up to 35 percent depending on the level of growth uh, or exposure to shares exposure to the share market the difficulty in that 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 growth level is absolutely what clients need to decide on or what people need to decide on in terms of where they are. So the more exposure to shares, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time, it's just purely risk and reward. So the more exposure to shares, the greater the reward, long-term reward, but also the greater the volatility. So in a COVID crash, you know, if you had 100% shares or in the 2008 style crash, you're looking at probably 35 or 40 percent drop doesn't matter the quality of the shares doesn't matter what you're in uh, doesn't matter how many you have you're probably going to lose 30 to 40 percent or in terms of when I say loss in financial markets uh, we're talking about a downturn in capital or a loss of capital now if you're the sort of person that's uh, on the lounge in tears and that happens uh, when that happens then you know that's probably not the right area to be in and I would call that the sleep at night test so if you're uneasy about that end losing 35% tomorrow or 40% of your money tomorrow then you know you probably need to think about that before a crash the flip side of that is if you are more conservative you'll get less long-term returns uh, but you'll get less volatility. So if you're exposed to, say, 50% shares uh, in a super portfolio or an investment, then, uh, you know, so for every 100,000 it's invested, you know, might have 50,000 on the on the growth side or the share side of the equation. You might have copped a loss of 10%, uh, but your returns would be probably half of what they are in that, that greater, growthier uh, portfolio. Um, it's all about risk and reward. There's nothing else. You think if you think about the no risk fee uh, return at the moment, or um, the no risk rate return, you know you're looking at the best term deposit rate you can get at the moment is around about. Um, this is in February 221, so you're looking at about 0.7 percent. Uh, anybody that comes along in a shiny suit and offers you more than 0.7%, there's risk involved. Risk in financial markets is is the downturn or loss of your capital. So if you believe that capital is going to come back up, maybe you're willing to accept that risk. 
uh, so to try to get those longer term returns. So that's a long answer and to the whether the world was going to end, but in hindsight, you know, we're looking back on that and saying, well, it didn't end and it actually came back very strong. Whether that's the beginning of another chapter, we don't know. Uh, anybody that convinces you of the timing of these things, in my opinion, uh, is probably incorrect. Um, nobody can consistently time these things uh, and repeatedly time these things. So uh, playing around with markets is very interesting. Um, that brings us on to one of the interesting things is one of the other questions we had in 220 was how do I make money out of this? And it's exactly the same conversation, risk and reward. So if you're willing to take the risk, you might get rewarded. And those clients that uh, invested through the year probably made lots of money. So it depends. It's all about that risk and reward. Now, the interesting thing about 220, um, every second person is share trading. Um, talking about Bitcoin, talking about shares, uh, withdrawing money from super and share trading. Everybody's on this share trading bandwagon. Um, in our opinion, you know, that's great for if you've got enough to have some fun money and, you know, for some people that might be a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. For other people, that's lots of money. But whatever you're willing to play with, I mean, I wouldn't call it gambling, but whatever you're willing to play with, then that would be, um, you know, that's some people might consider that fun. But um, I wouldn't be hedging my life savings or my superannuation savings on that sort of uh, uh, ability when you when you withdraw your money from say a fund whether that be you know hester or care super or colonial or amp or whoever you're saying that you're basically going to do better than those people now i don't know if that's long term if those, you know, if some people might have that ability, but in my experience, most people do not. So uh, it comes down to that growth, um, that growth exposure uh, conversation that we had uh, had a bit earlier. Um, you, so basically, the the take home message is people need to think about that risk reward characteristics, the the timing. The, the time of the market at the moment with, you know, effectively the market is back up to where it was before the crash. This is probably an absolute ideal time to think about where do I want to be invested? What could happen tomorrow? You know, am I willing to see my capital decrease by 10% tomorrow? Uh, or am I not? Uh, am I willing for it to decrease by 35% tomorrow or over the next month? Or am I not? If you're not then you're not in the right thing, I would say, potentially. Um, that's very easy to change as well. So um, your super fund or investment person can take you through that. Uh, you need to make those decisions. People often come to us and say, oh, we're in safe shares or I've been told that my shares are safe. Uh, that's sort of bordering on um craziness that's just not there's no no such thing they might be very good companies but as we saw in the covid crash even uh, all the banks which would be considered 
you know some of the best companies in the world uh the australian banks uh they they got smashed in in the crash as well so it's all about risk and reward take home message and that's enough for money matters and questions we'll see you on the second monday of each month uh at 11 a.m and um take care the host of Feisty Fabulous and 50 Plus, thanking you for listening in today and we'll be seeing you next Monday for another fantastic Feisty. So see you then. Bye.